Peace, peace, and welcome to another special episode of Out the Box Talks. I'm your host, Krill. I got my brother, my co-host, A-Level, once again in the place to be. You are here for episode 10. What's good, A-Level? Yeah, yeah, you're now listening to the South Bronx Finest. is A-Level, the flyest. Out the Box Talks. Hip-hop thinks out the box. We back. That's what's up. That's what's up. So we got a lot of things that we want to talk about today. Um, We coming off of a really dope episode, episode eight, um, which it was nine. I'm but yeah, is it nine? Okay, my bad. Episode nine. Yes, we coming off of episode nine where we were able to put up some video footage, some video clips for people to um, check out. Um, in reference to the topic that we spoke about, which was... Is hip-hop still a culture or is it a game? So uh, basically, it uh, was a great topic. It was real bubbling all over social media. Uh, shout out to my boy, uh, Funk Doctor, Mark Wilkinson, and David Kahn from Harlem Public Radio, um, Matthew Andino, all our supporters on the uh, um, Hip Hop Thinks Out the Box uh, Facebook group. Also, shout out to One Mike. Who keeps the influences going? You keep the juices flowing. You keep plenty of stuff to uh, to talk about. Shout out to Sean White, uh, HL Alexander, and all these dudes. Also, uh, good brother um, Charlie Taylor from Fifth Element Magazine. Martin, ask him. Word. That's right. So we in tune for episode number ten. We coming off the heels of a really, really insightful episode. Um, so keep rocking with us. We are on anchor.fm. You could also catch us on Spotify. You could also catch us on Apple Podcasts. We're also available on um, a number of other podcast streaming platforms. So stick with the show. It's called Out the Box Talks, O-U-T-D-A-B-O-X. Um, we're also on Out the Box Radio, which is a 24-7 internet radio station. Uh, that's on live365.com. So if you type in live365.com and you just, you just search for Out the Box Radio, you'll be able to check out the radio station where we play nothing but like the latest and in quality independent hip hop. So A-Level, we got a lot to talk about today. It seems like every week there's something happening in hip hop. Yeah, that um we have to address. So, first and foremost, I do want to, let's do some shout outs though, because, um, you know, we, we, we frequently connect with a few people on the hip hop groups. So, um, shout out to our hip hop group on Facebook called Hip Hop Thinks Out the Box. It's our Facebook group. And shout out to the people that usually frequent the groups. Uh, shout out to the Fifth Element family. Uh, shout out to all the New Life family that's been following us as well too, Matthew Andino, um, my good brother Funk Doctor, um, Mark Wilkinson, um, yeah, all the support. Like you also can check us out outtheboxmedia.com as well too. Stop by the website and uh, check out some of our uh, recent and most you know o- older older episodes as well too. We got so much to give, so much to offer. Yes, yes, indeed. So, 
a few things we kind of want to kick the show off with. We got uh, things happening in hip-hop. Some good, some unfortunately not so good, but we always looking for positive things to take place. So first and foremost, before we go into the main topic of the show, I do want to give recognition to uh, our late brother, Sean Price, who, yeah, most of y'all know uh, is from the Duck Down camp, the boot camp, clicks camp, but he you know, passed away, unfortunately, some years ago. And a really, really dope mural was done to recognize him in Brooklyn. Uh, I think it's in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. But unfortunately, I just got wind, and a lot of people in the hip-hop world might have just heard that the, the mural may be facing a potential of being removed. And that's not a good look. So... I posted on our Facebook group, and it's also will be available on our Facebook page, uh, a, a website link where they have a petition uh, that you can sign to support saving this actual mural. All right, um, it's on the change.org website. So if you just go to our website, uh, if you as you go to our Facebook page. Uh, or the Facebook group, it's uh, it's called change.org, or um, you can just look on the on the post, and it says, Save Sean Price's Mural. So, you know, Sean Price has been a staple in the hip-hop game, hip-hop culture, let me, let me change that, right, for quite some time. And, you know, we always want to see legacies continued. Let me just uh, read a little bit about how this situation came to be. Uh, according to Sean Price's widow, also known as Bernadette Price, his Crown Heights Brooklyn mural is facing destruction. The renowned artist Maris One painted the mural shortly after the rapper's 2015 death. And the beloved hip-hop artist, father and husband, passed away on August 8, 2015. So it's giving you some context as to when he passed away. But um, the, the, the artist that painted it... Um, I believe recognized the actual mural possibly being getting ready to be removed. So the petition is out there so that we can support this mural being saved. All right. So like I said, check out the Facebook group. We posted it there and it'll also be on the Facebook page as well. It says save the Sean Price mural in Brooklyn. So if you go to change.org and you search for that, uh, that, that title, it'll say, Save the Sean Price Mural in Brooklyn. All right? So that's a little sad news, but hopefully we can overturn that and the mural does get saved. Now, for the good news, I want to talk about some of the good things that's happening in hip-hop, right? A-Level, um, we saw uh, about, I want to say about a week or two ago, Jaden Smith, Will and Jada Smith's son, he... Uh, put together a vegan food truck and was offering vegan food for free to the homeless. You know, and I, I think, you know, Jaden may not be like entrenched in the hip hop culture as we sometimes view, but he's definitely linked in with hip hop culture. And we wanted to recognize him for, for this uh, very unselfish, thoughtful act. What's your thoughts on that A-level? Which I think is a very dope thing that somebody from his age group 
would actually stand up for something instead of like falling for everything. Um, you know, for the, the, the one thing about what was obviously available in our communities and our environments all the time, especially for myself, person myself is just battling and at war with um, morbid obesity is uh, meal plans, you know, and wanting to eat healthy and eat, eating right. And what's always available and what's always around you is the most unhealthy stuff because it's the most affordable and the most cheapest thing to go to. Um, all these chicken spots and, you know, Chinese restaurants and McDonald's and everything else around you. When you want to go on a righteous path, hear the devil go coin, throwing a whole bunch of things, you know, in your way, you know, to try to, you know, be a stumbling block to you. So um, to make, and uh, uh, you know, these some of these vegan um, delicacies and this uh, nutrition available to people for free, I think is a very dope thing. Um, that's almost on the grounds of Nobel Peace Prize worthy type of stuff right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. So shout out to Jaden Smith. I believe his birthday just passed the other day. And all the people that are doing good things, even if it's not hip-hop related, like the world needs more, you know, positive acts of contributing to the lesser fortunate, you know. So another act that I recognize uh, that is deeply entrenched in hip-hop is by um, the hip-hop group Dead Prez. There was an article that came out recently, which we also posted in the group, as well as on our Out the Box Radio Facebook page. Um, Dead Prez, the, the actual, it's a Hip Hop DX article. And um, in the article, it, the headline reads, Bigger Than Hip Hop, How Dead Prez Is Improving the World. Now, I recently had brother Coach Nim, who is part of the whole RBG Fit Club and a member of uh, the original Dead Prez RBG People's Army. And I talked to him really in depth about his connection with the RBG Fit Club, which is a is a group that Stickman from Dead Prez started. And Brother Stickman has been on a move of really empowering the people through his acts of physical fitness, um, his acts based on meditation or just healthy living uh, overall. So Dad Prez actually recently teamed up with JR Period, who's a DJ, who's also DJed for The Roots, right? He DJ for The Roots. But he put out an album recently uh, that features Dead Prez and Black Thought and um, what's the brother name? Um, I think Farrell Monch is on the album as well. A uh, very thought-provoking album. And they actually did a video for a song on the album. Um, and in the actual video, we see some, some meditation happening with Stickman, right? And let me just go to the article a little bit to talk about it because this is really dope to see after all these years, Dead Prez kind of evolving into you know, on their next phase of uplifting the community and, and, and doing really dope things. So um, in the actual article, they speak about 
a conversation that happened with Jay Period where Stick explains that when Jay Period told him the first initial idea for the video, he understood it was set in, in a kind of a destitute warehouse like something in the Hunger Games. And he says, here I am, 45 years old, and 16 years ago, it was, it was like, let's tear everything down, right? But now, his approach is more like, I want to be true to my experience and give you the best wisdom I can give you today and not just kind of tell you the ideas of actions, Hollywood, revolutions from the synagogue. You know what I mean. He adds, if you can harness that energy and the righteous rage in a way that doesn't become toxic to you, then you could actually focus as a group to get things done with compassion, clarity, and wisdom. So he's saying basically... This whole approach of educating people through meditation or through acts of non-aggression, right, will be actually more uh, impactful, you know, in terms of changing and impacting the people. Um, so you, we've seen kind of dead prayers as they've evolved throughout the years. Um, they're not as militant or aggressive but maybe not let me not use the word militant because you can still be militant but not aggressive but that whole idea of let's burn things down let's tear it up that has changed for them and they're more focusing on healing right healing from a, a um a non-aggressive perspective where this which is why in the actual video you see uh people in the video meditating and stick kind of taking more of a approach of Let's look at this from a, a holistic directive, right? Like it's revolutionary to, to 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 work on your diet, to work on your health, right? And not just being up on a soapbox, you know, with a whole bunch of aggression. What's your thoughts on that, A level? Um, I'm very much, you know, feeling the route that they're going with this now, because that's pretty much where I went with it. I mean, I, you know when I was a lot younger, you know, in my college days, we, we started a group called African Descendants of One Mind. And um, and that's really what we were trying to do. We were militant. We were just basically just trying to start up some sort of um, black consciousness and not just black consciousness, but consciousness of, uh, of humanity and people, you know, with our common origin, that being Africa, you know what I'm saying? And just really just basically unifying and um, bringing unity to the campus, so to speak. But a lot of our mindsets during that time, you know, you know, it was just when you when you have everything covered in, 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 in um, hurt, that hurt eventually turns into hatred until eventually you become the very the very hate that hate produced. So it's it's a fine line. And, you know, and um, it's all, all, all obviously comes through um, through spiritual healing and then eventually just seeking and finding out, you know, who God had, who who got purpose for you to be to begin with, you know. So I love the fact that they're moving forward in this and saying like, okay, let's pick the more um, mature way and the more effective way of 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 um, freeing our people, and you know, freeing our people is not necessarily just freeing us physically, but freeing our minds, you know. So I love the direction that they're going in, and sometimes and we were just discussing this earlier. You know, there's two different ways that you can actually um, approach things. You can approach it from 
an aggressive militant soldier standpoint, which is nothing wrong with that, you know, because there comes a time where you need that soldier that's going to fight their battles for you. But there comes a time for you to also be a spook as well, too. You need spooks. You need people that can actually get in and understand how things work. Because this, 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 this community that we're in, it's a world community. You know, you have to deal with people and you have to deal with races of people, whether you like them or not. It's not about whether you like them or you don't like them. It's how can we peacefully coexist with each other? You know what I'm saying? Because we're going to have to sell, sell to each other. We're going to have to eat with each other, go to school and, and things of that nature with each other. So ultimately, at some point in time, we're going to have to find a way on how we can do that. And, um, you know, uh, initiatives like what it is that they're trying to, you know, you know, do shows me that there's there's hope to um, move in this kind of direction, you know, which I think is dope. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and um, I definitely want to shout out um, both Stick and M1 because they've been doing some really positive things in, you know, in the hip hop community, specifically with regards to health, right, and, and wellness. Uh, Stick also has, uh, he's linked up with a brand called Champion Father, uh, where they basically do workshops around the skill set of fatherhood. So, and he says, we just try to be a place where fathers can feel not judged, plus get the support in the fellowship with other fathers who are trying to make it happen and need our support. So, you know, um, we always talk about family and how it's important to um, start at home with family first before you go out in the world and, you know, and this is exactly an example of that, like strengthening fathers. I actually went to the website. Um, let me see if I can get to the link. The website is championfathers.com. And what's so dope about the website is at the very top, it says, because Father's Day is every day. <laughs> and, you know, this is a common thing we hear around Mother's Day that moms say, you know, we'll hear Mother's Day should be every day, right? And I like this too because it's not so much, I don't take it as so much, you know, fathers trying to take the shine of moms, but also just what I see it as is like we recognize the value and the importance of fathers. Like fathers are supposed to be there every day, just like moms are. So um, shout out to championfathers.com, which is a brand that um, Stickman is affiliated with as well. So moving on to our next topic, which still fits under our segment, Doing Good in Hip Hop. This is a segment, by the way, we're going to be doing more about because we're big on, like you said, pushing the culture forward and recognizing those that are doing so. So the next topic is coming off the heels of a series of interviews that uh, fashion expertise that is renowned in hip-hop culture and his name uh is the world-renowned dapper dan he just released a book and he's been doing an actual series of press he did an interview on the breakfast club which was really really insightful if you have not gotten a chance to check it out we encourage you to check it out um he also did an interview on sway's universe and he also did an interview on Hot 97 with Peter Rosenberg and Ebro. So I do want to talk to you a level about this interview. We were actually just catch, you know, watching it before we, you know, we we started doing this recording. Um, but the the whole premise that 
Dapper Dan is pretty much standing on is he believes that we have to get in the doors if we as black people or black people that want to actually make an impact as fashion designers, as fashion owners, if we want to make a serious impact where this thing will sustain itself for generations to come, we need to get in the doors and we need to learn from high-end fashion. His whole his whole argument is that what happened to the black brands? The black brands that existed in the 90s that we no longer see anymore, they've kind of phased out. And he's like, what happened is pretty much we didn't get into high fashion and we didn't learn how to distribute and how to get uh, these products in all different sectors of the world right in all different countries which he does have a point but he's caught a, a a kind of a backlash when the whole gucci uh controversy happened with the blackface clothing um because as for many of y'all that don't know dapper dan has had a collaboration with gucci and he actually has a store in harlem that is a um outcome of this collaboration and when that whole gucci contribution controversy controversy happened it was kind of like why are the, you know the outcry from certain people in the public in the black community was like why are we continuing to support these brands that don't like us that let these racist situations happen with their clothing and i mean for 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 good reason uh, a lot of black people, uh, including myself, was a little disgusted with this happening, right, through Gucci. But uh, with, with um, Dapper Dam, I'm sure him, him being uh, upset about it too, he still holds the position that, look, we got to be strategic about this, right? So we got to get in the doors if we really, really want to change things. What's your, what's your take on the whole position? I agree with what he's saying. Um, we as black people, we need to stop. We need to try. I'm not going to say stop. We need to try and adjust our perspective on how we see the world. Not from an emotional standpoint, but from more so a rational standpoint. You know, what makes sense business-wise. Um, that's one of our main issues. Um, you have lines like uh, Pele Pele and Helly Hansen and all of these uh, Fubu and Nietzsche, you know, all these brands were popping, you know, Fat Farm, you know, Rockaway. You don't even see Rockaway like that anymore. So all of that stuff died out, died down because, you know, we only jumped but so high because it was such a big thing to see us wearing our own clothing instead of Levi and instead of Lee's and instead of, you know, Jordash or whatever, that it was so fantastic for us, then, you know, we're good with that. No, we're good with that. No, no, it's not being good with that. Now let's take it to the next level now. How do we, like you said, have this thing sustain itself, you know, for if not a lengthy period of time, but for an infinite period of time? And the best way to do that is when you start looking at things from 
okay, these people that are selling to me, whether it will be um, whites, Asians, or, or whoever else, study them. Study how they do things, you know. And also don't get to this point where it's like, okay, well, we're going to keep it in our community. We're going to keep it us, us, us. No, you sell to them too because they sell to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and what it is that they're selling to you is going to be profitable for your community as well too because that's how you're going to grow. This world thrives on money, bottom line. If you don't find a way of who who you are and what your identity is financially, you're going to always be under the bus. We're going to forever be under the bus in terms of finances because we haven't yet to really grasp that concept and thinking on a global scale. Think big picture instead of what's right in front of me. We got to be strategic about how we go about this. Yeah. Yeah, less emotional. And like I said, we we got to be strategic. So that's the reason why I included Dapper Dan in our hip hop doing good because for multiple reasons, right? Um, but for his expertise, his experience, and his knowledge to push the culture forward. A lot of people may not agree with him, and, you know, they have their reasons why they may not agree, but this is a brother that has stood the test of time. He experienced the ups and downs of the fashion industry, and I think it it, it doesn't do us any harm to at least hear him out and, 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 and you know, keep in mind what his perspective is, you know. So, shout out to Dapper Dan. His book is out right now. Uh, check out that Breakfast Club interview or the, the Sway in the Morning interview. Very, very insightful interview with Dapper Dan. And what's dope about Dapper Dan, too, is that he's very accessible. So you can actually literally walk up Lenox Ave on 122nd Street or 123rd Street. I'm not sure the actual street, but on a, any given day, and you'll probably see him. And, he, and I think that's really dope, like somebody of his level to be so accessible. That's another thing he talks about in the interview is the fact that he um he makes himself accessible. Like he'll take the bus with, you know, everyday people just so that he can have that communication. That's his whole thing. So I that's very, very, very respectful and, and worthy to recognize of Brother Dapper Dan. So thank you for your contributions, that. So our next topic, actually, before we do that, let's take a break because we got to really take a break before we get into this one. So we're going to take a break, uh, go into some music. In fact, I'm going to give y'all a hint in terms of the music that we're going to go into for what our next topic is going to be. So shout out to Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib. They put out a new album called Bandana. It has been the talk of the town. We're going to actually play a song off of the album uh, I'll actually go with the track Practice, uh, which I really, really like. Uh, but a lot of the music on the album is dope. And when we come back, hint, 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 we're going to talk about Freddie Gibbs. <laughs> All right, so um, keep it locked right here. Tune into Out the Box Talks. My co-host A-Level is with me. Please, please keep tuned in to our radio station, Out the Box Radio, 24-7. So if you want to actually hear the music, 
that we go into the break for, you will catch it on the radio station when the show airs. But on a podcast, we don't really play the music. We just go straight into the um, back into the topic. So keep it locked here. And that's out the box, y'all. Out the box, y'all, with a D, not with a T. Out the box, out the box. All right. Check us, check us on um, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. That's right. So we're going to go into this Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib track and we'll be back. Keep it locked. All right. Welcome back. Out the Box Talks. If you are tuning in on our radio station, Out the Box Radio on Live365.com, the song you just heard was called Practice from the Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib album Bandana. A big album, A-Level. It's been having a lot of talk lately. And I mean, it's a really good album. I think it's a little overhyped, but it's definitely a good album. Definitely one of the better releases this year. So A-Level, want to introduce our topic, which is dealing particularly with Freddie Gibbs as it relates to his relationship with Mad Lib. Yeah, so basically, as we know, the album Bandana with Freddie, Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib. And, of course, um, one of our f- friendly uh, brother-sisterhood um, group pages, uh, One Mike, does it again. Uh, we frequent that page as well, and uh, they basically stimulate a lot of the discussions that we have here. Interesting. Uh, shout to One Mike again. Um, basically, a discussion came up. And they posted something with regards to Freddie Gibbs stating that he is a better MC than Madlib. I mean, better MC than MF Doom. Now, the reason why he brought that up is because, you know, Madlib obviously is the common denominator between the two because Madlib is a producer that has worked with multiple artists. You know, he's made a name, well-known name for himself and made a, quite a career for himself. Great, great career of um, producing outstanding uh, music for these rappers. So between Freddie Gibbs, which is, how many how many projects is this deep with um, him now with um, Mad Lib now? This is two. This is, the, this, this, is, this is the second one with uh, Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib, yep. So this is his second effort with, with, with Mad Lib. And uh, obviously with MF Doom, he's done, Mad Lib has done so many projects with MF Doom. He's done... Uh, Mad Villainy, uh, Mad Villainy Two is supposed to be uh, supposed to be dropping soon, um, as well as um, so many other topics. But I guess that probably would be Freddie Gibbs' only competition, you know, over Mad Lib beats. So I guess maybe he might have been trolling this. But you know, for him to say something like that is just like you know, I think a lot of people on the on, on the group page were more so in favor of Freddie Gibbs, why not, why not, why can't he say something like that? I'm not saying that he can't say something like that, but it's just like, you know, why are we downplaying uh, MF Doom? Because MF Doom comes with an acquired taste, you know. He's not your typical, normal, everyday rapper. He's a person that, you know, has certain styles and nuances in terms of flow, delivery, and cadence, and the kind of things that he raps about is not your everyday run-of-the-mill, you know. Um... For, for for me, like, you know, and that was, you know, this team to me, like, I had to really spend on myself and, and Krill, we had to spend a great deal of time kind of educating and enlightening the group, 
you know, more so on, on, on MF Doom. Because a lot of people, if you can't really get into MF Doom, MF Doom is very eclectic, very abstract. So if you're not really in that, it's going to blow past your head and blow over your head for the passive listener. And what we have nowadays, majority of the time, is just a lot of passive listeners where they just really just listen to, okay, let me hear, see if something I like. If I don't like it, I'm moving on. And that's okay. But, you know, we can't make a, a it's not fair to make a judgment on something that you don't really know the other side of it. So I had to, we had to present um, not just Mad Villainy, but things like um, uh, Danger Doom. You know the the other projects that Matt, that that MF Doom has done with other people. Uh, we got to present uh, Doomsday Operation Doomsday and MM Food and you know Avalanche cuts like Avalanche and, and, and all caps and even the collaborations that he done with De La Soul with Rock Cocaine Flow. You know this dude is a genius. Even down to even down to how he is marketed. He's marketed himself. He's thought of the whole entire package. And MF Doom, for y'all, if y'all don't know, is Zev Love X from KMD from back in the days. I don't know if people know of Peach Fuzz and things of that nature. He came out of the whole third base era, you know. And um, with his, uh, after that whole thing went south and his brother died, um, um, Sub Rock, after Sub Rock died, you know. He was just away from the game for a long time, and um, he linked up with Bobito and uh, changed his whole personality. You know, gave himself a whole new entity. You know, kind of um, piggybacking off of the whole Doctor Doom uh, character from Marvel, and creating the char- character MF Doom. MF Doom meaning Metal Face Doom or Metal Fingers or anything what have you. So he's created a character. It's not even just an MC. So for you to compare yourself to something like that is just, you know, I don't know. It's beyond me. <laughs> yeah. I you know, when I, I saw so we said that the video was it was a it was an interview on Ebro in the morning. And what was so let me just say this. The interview was dope. I watched the whole interview. What started to irk me though was when I saw People in the groups. Now, let me also say this. I'm in the MF Doom Facebook group as well. And the amount of Freddie Gibbs posts I see in that group is amazing. And it's really because of his connection to Mad Lib. But I just could not believe the overwhelming... Disrespect. It was almost... I know, right? Like it, it It was almost like... Freddie Gibbs is better than Doom. Like, and, and like people were really arguing this. And I understand people have preferences, but like, I mean, Doom is an OG. Like, can can Doom get his like OG status right. for a little bit? Like, can we not like Yeah. And let me say this. I got love for Freddie Gibbs. He right. he actually gave me an interview years ago. Um, backstage, at, I think it was in South Point, Brooklyn, when it was open, and it was just off the strength of like, I was there with my camera. I came to actually interview somebody else, and he was waiting, and I said, "Hey, you mind if I interview you?" And he was gracious enough to give me an interview. So, this my thing is not 
you know, I don't really have any. I actually bought the Bandana album. Like I'm a fan. I I, I bought the right. It's not a slight at Freddie Gibbs. I bought the Pinata album. I'm a huge fan of Freddie Gibbs. Where I stand in terms of who's better, I'm I'm gonna say Doom because I'm just Doom is my favorite MC. Like I'm just gonna say that. Um, and I mean, not even upset at Freddie for actually making the actual statement. I think low key Freddie was probably trying to challenge Doom to come back out. You know, and I think that's what it was about. But I was really kind of like frustrated with the fact that all these, I don't even know if they like real fans or they just came up out of the woodwork and they were like ready to jump on the bandwagon and make the case that Gibbs is better than Doom and go to these extremes. And I'm like, you know, to each his own, but like Doom is, is on another level, man. Doom has a technique when it comes to this rap and stuff. Like, I posted a video where this guy was breaking down his rap technique on the song Accordion. Like, if you didn't get a chance to check that out, um, it's on the Facebook group. It's also on the Facebook page, Out The Box Radio, um, where you could basically... It's a video where this brother is basically breaking down how Doom was able to cleverly put these lyrics together for the Accordion track on the Mad Villain album. And it was so amazing, like certain things that you would miss when you when you when you when you think about listening to rap, you didn't realize that Doom put this in in the technique of these of this rhyme. So um, the brother is talented, and he gets the recognition for 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 great reason. You know, um, he is. I will always say, Doom is your favorite MC's favorite MC. You remember years ago when um. What was it, A-Level? Um, Most Def did an actual video like kind of bigging up Doom and like how like... It was an interview actually Most Def did. Uh, I think it was with Frolab. He did an interview uh, talking about how impactful Doom is as a lyricist to him. And we know Most Def, or we call him Yasin Bey now, um, is like on a number of people's top list in terms of best MCs, favorite MCs. So if he is saying this is one of his favorite MCs or he's fully inspired by him, then you know the class of MC you're dealing with with Doom. And I'm just saying, put some respect on the brother's name. That's all I'm saying. Now, I know people are going to be upset with me for that, but hey, I think Doom, I think Doom, I think MF Doom paid his dues. And nobody does what he does or is in the lane that he's in, you know. So I wouldn't even compare the two because there's two styles are different. But if I had to personally choose who's the better MC, I'm going to choose Doom. But that's my personal preference. Uh, but this Bandana album is a dope album. It's really a dope album. Uh, so if you haven't heard it, go check it out. Um, if you're looking for that Mad Lib sound, it's all over it. I think Mad Lib even has a a trap beat on there that people were talking about, which I'm not mad at, you know, if I'm not, I'm not big into trap beats, but it's like one track on the album and everything else is pretty solid. So again, big shout out to Freddie Gibbs, really good brother. Um, and if you didn't see that interview on Ebro in the morning, please check it out. It's more to it than this talk about his, um, you know, him, him, you know, being better than doom. So, 
Yeah, that's it. So let, let's jump to another topic, A-Level. Yeah, so basically, um, shout out to Shalom Woods and um, Damon White, by the way, from One Mic. Um, the next topic we're about to get into is, of course, uh, coming into Nas. Um, I'm a Nas fan, y'all. I'm a Nas fan. I'm a Nas fanatic. Uh, I am not a biased Nas fan. I think you have two different type of Nas fans here. I am an honest and genuine Nas fan, and then you also have the the biased Nas fans that Nas can do no wrong, <laughs> no matter what he does. You know, anything he does is greatness, and everything he does is dope. Um, I, I wanted to get into the fact that Nas has an upcoming release that's coming out that we've all been waiting years for. <laughs> so Nas, The Lost Tapes 2 is scheduled to be released this Friday, which I have my pre-order already in for it because uh, I think, how long has this supposed to be coming out? Like for four or five years now? Or even longer than that. Yeah, I think so. Lost tapes been in the works for for uh, quite some time, you know. I mean, but they're lost tapes, so like it's, it's it's music that um he's been recording throughout the years. In between the um the uh, what albums the the end albums, life is good albums, um every album that in between, basically every song that didn't make those albums is going to be on those albums that we actually been heard leaking on the internet for a while. Uh, one of my favorite tracks on there, which I'm going to be getting, I'll probably be getting the album just for that, is You Mean the World to Me, produced by Kanye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I just want to get it because I actually want a, a, a real copy that I can own that I don't have to go to YouTube or any place else to have an official copy. I really can't say of what I'm going to get out of the rest of the album, but then again, it goes into my topic for today. Um, another thing that one Mike had had brought up a discussion was um, Nas. Is he a great is, is he a great rap artist, or is he great at what uh, great at just one thing? I'll say it again. Nas is he a great rap artist, or is he great at one thing? So I'll just I'll give it up to to Corey and we'll see where we go. <laughs> All right. So is you said is Nas Nas the artist? Is he a great rap artist or just great at one thing? All right. Um, I think he's a great rap artist. I could give him great status. I'm not sure what the one thing is. Elaborate a little bit on what you mean by one thing. Well, some people will say great at one thing, meaning that Nas, I know his his niche and his strong point of what we mostly, mostly everybody looks for is heavy mental lyrics. Of what he is able to do lyrically, you know, with words. Like I expressed on um, on the blog pages, you know, Nas is, he's a graphic rapper. This man can take words and take you on a journey and take you completely out of your living room, wherever you're at, and bring you to where he is. 
The only other um, rapper I, or MC lyricist that I know to be that way is uh, Rakim. You know, Rakim used to do the same thing, which is why they used to tie and link them up and say that, you know, Nas was Rakim's predecessor because he took it to where Rakim went and went a step further and went to places that people couldn't even go. A big gripe with Nas was not just about um, him doing that because he does that very well. And what he doesn't do well is he doesn't choose the right beats or he doesn't choose the right music. And this is this is the discussion that people got annoyed with. You know, most fan, Nas fans gets annoyed with with this whole thing about beats and not, beats and lyrics are about making music. Music that's going to stand the test of time. Music that's going to be entertaining to you. Music that you're going to want to play 20 years from now. You know, I can't really say for much of Nas's rap catalog, you know, that he's made many of those kinds of albums. He's made, you know, some really outstanding songs on those albums. But a lot of those albums never really age well over the course of time. I can't say that for the end. I can't say that for life. Uh, for for um, life is good. Probably one of the dopest releases. So I'll put Illmatic up there. Lost tapes. Um, life is good. It was written up there. But everything else, in my opinion, were just mediocre releases. Because to me, they didn't really stick to my ribs. Nas, you know, you know, he makes an album, and even from the last album with with, with Nasir, like. I was trying to bump it for a, a week, and then after a week or even less than that, I'm putting it down. So my answer to that question is um, he's a great a great lyricist. He's a great rapper. He could have been an even better rapper had he had a better um, song catalog. That's my answer to that question. He should have been, his career should have been far greater, you know, had he would have um, gotten the right balance in between music and rhymes. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think. I've just been disappointed too many times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, when we, when, we, when I purchased I Am, you know, you got the, the, um, the how the album was promoted, I, I'll never forget how it was promoted. You know, this I Am album came right off of the heels of, you know, just him just releasing these disappointing releases, and everybody wanted him to come back to Queensbridge, that whole Illmatic style. So he did that. He dropped um, Nas's Like. Nas's Like was was the was was the first warm up street single for that album. So people saw him with the, the, the flight jacket on and he's in Queensbridge and the project steps, he's rolling in the L and all this other stuff. He's in the he's in the he's in a he's in the house with Primo in the back, like, yo, Prem, you ready? You know what I'm saying? So we like, oh, whoa, rubbing my mitts and being like, you know, okay, this is what we about to get. We about to he's about to, you know, let us have it. And boom, okay, I'm ready. Body album. I'm listening to the intro. I'm hearing New York State of Mind Part 2. Crazy. The B, I, I thought New York State Mind 
the first one was was crazy. I was like, wow, he's taking it someplace else. I'm getting even more excited, right? And then the next song, You Won't See Me Tonight <laughs> with Aaliyah. You can hate me now. And I wet who I want wetted. I wet who you want wetted. And I'm like, you know, what is happening? You know, I felt so deceived. I call that album the grand deception because I got sold something completely different than what actually had turned out on the albums. And this is what he's been doing to me ever since. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of fans. He's actually been consistent with this. But let me say this about Nas, right? I'll be 100% honest. When Illmatic came out, I did not know about Illmatic. In fact, what Illmatic came out in 94? 94? All right. I learned about Illmatic later on. But my first Nas album that I purchased was It Was Written, the album that came out after Illmatic. Um, the, the issue I see with Nas, and, and, and particularly also the issue I see with Nas fans, who were fans of Nas from Illmatic is that it's such a high bar that he set that it's actually more difficult to appreciate his works that he veered off and did other things outside of that Illmatic sound, right? Yeah. His whole career is, um, is in, seems to be in the shadow of, of Illmatic. Which is why you release albums like Stillmatic, right? Because we're still referring back to an album of what you yet to really surpass the not financial success, not record sales, because it didn't go platinum. It went a little bit past gold, and it took a long time to do that. It was critically acclaimed. This, out of every song in your catalog, out of every album in your catalog, sorry, um, is the only album that you seem to really receive the highest honor for. Not saying that nothing else that you made was good, but nothing as great as that. You know, it's an album that is being honored in the Smithsonian. It's an album that is studied in Ivy League institutions across the country. It's an album that's honored in the Kennedy Center. You don't see them doing that with um, Street's Disciple. You know what I'm saying? Should have, could have, but you know, it, I don't know what's I don't know what the answer is. I really don't have the answer, but it's just that you know it's really hard to really approach Nas's releases as something to be hopeful about because of what's happened. You know? Yeah, I, I, and I think with Nas, the law, the the lost tape. So let me just say. By the time you hear this episode, we usually release the episodes on Fridays, uh, but we pre-record them. By the time you hear this episode, you probably would have heard at least some of Lost Tapes if you you checking in like that, because Lost Tapes will be out the Friday that this episode airs. Um, but see, the thing with Nas, like you were saying, A level, like that that bar was so high that. I feel like if you were an original fan of Nas from Illmatic, you kind of got spoiled to a certain degree. Um, and yeah, yeah. And I think also, yeah, yeah, all right, this is the other thing I wanted to say. 
He doesn't have to make Illmatic again. But what would praise, what would really please diehard Illmatic fans is if he did an album where it was strictly Primo, Large Pro, Pete Rock, and maybe LES or somebody. I think so. I would just appreciate if Nas actually made um, made tracks over soulful beats. It doesn't even have to be Pete Rock. It doesn't have to be Primo. It just has to be. It can be Black Milk. You know what I'm saying? It can be, you know, uh, Jake One. It could be Knife. It could be uh, Marco, you know, Marco Polo. It could be different people. But Knife Wonder remixed an entire album for this dude. And all he could say is that it was okay. It was cool. God's Stepson sounded sounded as if that was what the original release should have been. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, the God, God's Son, you know, you hear God's Son. God's Son is, eh. You listen to God's Stepson and you're like, wow. You know, listen to um, what Knife did with um, Masterminds. Or you listen to what. Um, Ninth did with Booker Rhymes, with the with the Curtis Mayfield sample. I was like, wow. Has Nas done any records uh, with um, Ninth? Do you know? Not at all. Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. No. And you know, if he made the track with Ninth, I'm pretty sure Nas would just pick the worst track <laughs> that Nas has. Yeah, <laughs> that that Ninth has. And, you know, I want to go with that one. You know what? I love Nas, but it's just like, I think, you know what? I think he struggles with is I'm so great that I only hear what I hear. I don't hear what my fans hear. You know what I'm saying? And that's the struggle and that's the battle. And it, I'm not trying to throw Nas under the bus here, but it's just like I'm just holding him, holding him accountable to his greatness, you know? I'm holding him accountable because you have yet to really give the people what they're really looking for. You've been talking about doing an album with Primo for years. Where is that? You've approached a time in your career where you've achieved financial success abundantly. You know, you are a guru now. You are a, um, you are, um, you're up there. You, you're accomplished, you know, why are we continuing to make projects that, you know, your fans are not really looking for? So here's an article I just, just found, right, where Ninth Wonder is actually talking about Nas and I guess the conversation or, you know, communication he's had with Nas. Um, and this is coming from a website called BeatsBoxingMayhem.com. Um, I just Googled it and it came up. But um, it says that... Um, Knife was saying he just had that conversation in the car. He's been trying to figure out. Um, all right, let me let me just fast forward. He says, he says, uh, not so. This is what Ninth Wonder is saying to the to this this website, Beat, Beats Boxing and Mayhem. He says, Nas, he wants to get so far away from Illmatic, and everybody wants him to go back. I think he thinks we're talking about his subject matter. We're mostly talking about the sound. Nas is one of the few artists from our generation that's keeping our generation alive from mainstream perspective. For, for a mainstream standpoint, it's Nas and Jay-Z. There's not 
too many others like them left. So this is what Ninth Wonder was saying, which is very, very, very worthy statement, right? Like he's basically saying that Nas is saying he wants to get away from the Illmatic, uh, get far away from Illmatic. And he's saying that he thinks it has to do with the lyrics. But Knife is saying, no, nah, it's not that. It's the sound. Which I don't want you to make an, I don't want you to make another Illmatic. I want you to make something that I'm interested in hearing 20 years from now. You know what I'm saying? Which is something as timeless as that. I'm not looking for you. I think many of your fans are not looking for you to make another Illmatic. That's done. That's lightning in a bottle. You're not going to capture LES, Pete Rock, Primo, and Q-Tip under the same circumstances and get the same kind of results. It might be close, but it's not going to be the same results. So my whole thing is just make something that's consistent with your voice. I do believe that beats have a really big huge impact on people receiving what you're saying you know you know beats and music have sounds those vibrations there are um there are frequencies that respond that, that that have people responding in ways that you couldn't possibly even imagine Nas has yet to really tap into those frequencies and keep it consistent throughout an entire project that will inspire you for a lifetime now, now that interview that I was I was just quoting from Ninth Wonder, I do want to say this this took place back in 2010. So this is, you know, this is like almost a decade ago, and I haven't seen a Ninth Wonder beat yet um, with Nas, um, like an official one. I don't know. Am I missing? Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe he's done something. But apparently, Ninth Wonder had given Nas beats, and back from this interview in two, where the post is coming from 2010. Ninth is saying that he has yet to hear anything. He he hopefully, you know, hopes to hear a, a track show up or two. So I don't want to make this a conversation about Ninth and Nas, but I think it's relevant because it's talking about the sound that we're looking for. Um, I'm hoping that Lost Tapes 2 is as good as the previous Lost Tapes, but I, I'm not optimistic about that. I'll be honest. Because honestly, with, with, with what it is we're saying... Even, never mind Illmatic, Lost Tapes, the first one, made a statement by itself. Purple, um, uh, Do-Rags, My Way, you know, um, Papa Was a Player, you know, all of these things, like, it, it was it was such a huge record, and that came out so subtly, you know, will you be able to surpass that on this one? You know, that this is not because of what you've done with other albums is making me looking at this one like, eh, I hope, you know, you know, we can we can expect to hear more either more of what we heard on part on part two, because I, I realize that this is not an album that just went into the studio just to record tracks for this album. This was a compilation of songs that were put together over a course of time. But can we you know sequence something together that's going to be really dope? What concerns me about Lost Tapes 2, and like I said, by the time you guys hear this episode, Lost Tapes 2 will be already out, so I'm talking kind of like in the past, um, but understand that what concerns me about Lost Tapes 2 is that because of the type of album it is, I feel like he might just be throwing tracks that he that were throwaway tracks on this album. I'm hoping that this is not the case. 
because I think there's um, hope with the track that you said that Kanye produced that we see that it's showing up on the um, album track list. Um, but I'm, I'm just not optimistic about this release being what we're looking for. And I think this happens a lot in hip hop. We will get artists because remember, the real album we want to see is the Primo Nas album, right? I think the same thing with this Freddie Gibbs Mad Lib album. As dope as the album is, I think there's a sector of people that really, really want to see Mad Villain 2 come out, the official Mad Villain 2, and they've kind of like almost halfway given up, and they've like, yo, I'm going to just switch to Freddie Gibbs because it's the next best thing because this is the album that Mad Lib actually produced, right? Mad Lib doesn't really produce albums for people like that as often as before you know so this is like a, like i think it's like five years since he released the first freddie gibbs album and in between that time i don't know of madlib doing an album with another artist so this is like the next best thing to mad villain so i think it's the same thing with lost tapes it's like you know it, you know it got it got some pete rock tracks on there you know it got a few other uh producers that we really uh, you know, hold as 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 quality producers on there, and we're kind of excited about it. And it's like we'll be willing, we'll get overhyped about something that's not really, really, really what we really want. And I see this trend happening with hip hop releases. Um, and I mean, I'm not mad at anybody for being that. Like, you know, I've long removed myself from this whole mentality of waiting, waiting, waiting which is the whole case with Jay Electronica too, right? We got these perfect segues for what we're about to get into. But um, yeah, you know. Yeah. And all, off the, all going off the subject for Nas just a little bit, we'll segue into our another elusive releases on the subject of uh, Mad Villainy 2s. Now we're talking about uh, Act 2, the patents of nobility from our... There's always these part two. <laughs> You know what I'm saying with 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 J Electronica. Oh, man. Lost uh, can 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 can, <laughs> can can we just label this this segment officially quote unquote J Watch? J Watch. Let's, the, the, I, I, I want to see where you're going. With the, this, the, like the, this is J Watch. You know what I'm saying? We got to keep a, a lookout and a watch for this brother's first you know solo effort that should have dropped over how many years ago? 12 years ago. <laughs> it's been a while, man. It's been a while. I like the title, J-Watch. <laughs> Word is that, I don't know, I saw an article. I didn't get a chance to validate the, um, how you say, the, the authenticity of this article, but I saw an article where it was saying that this, this long-anticipated um, album by J-Electronica is set for release in September. September 19th. September this year, 2019. I looked at it. I read it. And I just said, all right, whatever. You know, like, it, it wasn't like I'm excited, like, you know, because I've heard this before. Yeah. I'll see it when it comes out. Or I'll believe it when it actually happens. Exactly. That's my whole perspective. Exactly. And it just bounces back, you know, to Nas real quick. Why do you think you have this kind of feeling towards the stuff and the releases that he has? Why is that feeling there, girl? What, what, why, do you, why do you have that feeling? 
Repeat the question one more time. I'm sorry. This feeling about, you know, this approach to like, I don't know, you know, hopefully Nas will put this on there or if he's throwing producers out there. And why is there some sort of a um, a question mark as to what it is that you're getting rather than you being confident in knowing what you're going to get? You know, that's a great question, man. Um, the reason why I feel um, apprehensive like that is because of patterns, <laughs> patterns, you know, and not just Nas. There's a lot of artists that have patterns. Even MF Doom has patterns where he doesn't release music like he used to when, you know, he had that wave of Mad Villainy, the Victor Vaughn albums. You get to a point where you hear things are coming out and they don't come out and then you hear they're coming out again and then they don't come out and then you hear they're coming out again and they don't come out. And at that point... What is any logical person to do but to just be apprehensive? You know, like I said earlier, like I, I'm over this phase of, you know, holding my breath, you know what I'm saying, for albums to come. You know, like I'm not doing that. Like I, I'm literally going to go on to the next thing. And that's the beauty about hip hop. There's so much dope talent out there that you don't have to sit around waiting for your favorite artists to release things, you know. You when it comes out, you celebrate it if it's worthy of celebrating, but you don't hold on. It, it's it's like the Knicks. <laughs> it's like the I New York Knicks. Thing, you know yo. what I mean? Like I, I you know, I've graduated to the degree where I'm not gonna like hold on. I, I'm not gonna give my, my right, I'm not gonna give myself I'm not gonna volunteer stress. Like I'm gonna go with the next team that's gonna give me that excitement that I'm looking for, and it's the same thing with hip hop. Hip hop is so abundant that you don't just have to stick to one or or two artists. When those artists deliver, then you you come out and you support and you celebrate. But when they're not, you look to the next person that's doing it. You know, hip hop is abundant. There's so much dope talent, and that's why I do this with the hip with the radio station, Out the Box Radio. I play these um this music from these artists so that you see that there's an abundance of dope talent that you don't have to sit around and wait for one or two people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I mean, for me, it's just like being a Nick fan. You know, being a, a Nick fan is the same as being a Jay Electronica fan. Being a Jay Electronica fan is the same as being a Nas fan. You know, you're not seeming to get what was promised. You're not seeming to get, you, you can never seem to get what was promised to you, you know, and you just keep looking and you're hoping and you're hoping and you're hoping and then it just never happens. So for me, like you said, I'm not really going to get my hopes too high anymore. Like I said, I'm going to look for the next best thing, <laughs> you know, and be entertained with that until one day it happens. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm not going to die. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm protected. I'm protecting myself. And, and you know, I don't want to make this a thing where it's just a fan because I do respect artists' ability to take their time and deliver when it's right, right? I'm not saying we need to oversaturate the game because the flip side to that is that if you... um. If you're an artist and you keep putting out music every year or or three, four times a year, the value of the music starts to go down. So I'm not saying that. But I mean, damn, you waiting five years for something. Come on, give something. Give us an EP or something. And you know what's so crazy, A-Level, is that it's not just us as fans that get upset. Sometimes it's the same producers or the people that's involved in the projects that start getting fed up too. 
You know what I mean? So like it's it's one of those things that I think um I don't want to devalue the worth in an artist taking their time to release an album because I do believe that when you take your time the release tends to be much more successful down the line. But it's not always the case. But I think there's value in that, right? But we just speaking from the disgruntled fan. But I'm really speaking from the perspective of like, yo, I'm I'm a fan that's disappointed, but I'm not gonna allow that disappointment right. to to hold me, you know, for a long time. We're disappointed but we're not discouraged. Yeah. So we're gonna definitely talk more about this Jay Watch. <laughs> Um, hopefully this release comes out when they say it's gonna come out in September. But um, like I said, we we won't we won't like you know put everything on it. You know what I mean? But um, we have been here for a good over an hour, so we're gonna get ready to close out on the show. Um, like I said, definitely check us out on Anchor.fm. We're on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Out the Box Talks Podcast. That's O-U-T-D-A-B-O-X, right? And remember to catch us on our Instagram at Out the Box Media. Our Facebook is at Out the Box Radio. Um, we're on Twitter at Out the Box Media. Twitter is really important. Um, we tend to like post the songs that we're playing on the station and all the segments that show up on the station and it, it gets this not now playing post on twitter so if you want to kind of keep track of everything that's happening on the station as it's happening 24 7 you want to kind of follow our twitter page at out the box media any any last thoughts you want to say a level yeah just want to add um for those of our, our our followers and people that have been listening to us over the years, uh, whether it's been on Out the Box TV or any of our Out the Box media, you know, uh, outlets and um, presentations, including this show, we want to thank you guys for supporting us. We want to thank you that you just continue to follow us and listen to us, and also get involved. You know, feel free to add things you know your comments or opinions of, about anything that we spoke about here on the show today you know um because we're we, we use this as um you know fertilizer and material for for future shows as well too so um it, it this is this is a community here this is an out-the-box community thing that we're trying to develop here and um, on that note um this is uh peace out from a level and uh Crow, you got anything else to say yeah, I think I think you know well said A level. We we definitely want to have people that are connected to our group or our Facebook page or any of our social network platforms to kind of keep on the lookout. We we're, we're looking to do you know bigger things with out the box. We want to try to include um you know guests through the phone and and people that actually listen to the show to call in at times. So we're working on that. But uh like my brother A level said, you know Definitely keep connected with us. And we will be back in the next two weeks. Remember, the show airs every two weeks. Um, and if there's any topics you want us to discuss, definitely hit us up. You could actually email us at outtheboxradiorep at gmail.com. O-U-T-D-A-B-O-X. Radio R-E-P. Radio Rep at gmail.com. Or just send us a message on our Facebook page or Instagram. You know, but... um. 
Until the next couple of weeks, stay safe, stay healthy, stay focused, stay happy, and uh, keep it locked on Out the Box Radio. We out of here. Peace. Peace, peace, peace.